You gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. What are you getting so crazy about? It's just music. Whether or not you love California as much as Best Coast, this new indie band should be on your radar. I'm Jim DeRogatis of Vocalo.org. And I'm Greg Codd of the Chicago Tribune. Jim and I will talk with the members of Best Coast and hear them perform live in the studio. Plus, we review new albums by art pop icon Brian Ferry and hip-hop innovator Kid Cudi. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions, and time now for some music news. Do you remember we were sitting there by the water? You put your arm around me for the first time. You meet a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter. You are the best thing that's ever been mine. Big news in the music world this week is from Taylor Swift, who is singing that song, Mine. That's one of the singles off her latest album, Speak Now. Jim, we've been talking for years about how record sales are in the tank, but uh, Taylor Swift is running against that trend. First week sales of over a million copies of Speak Now, which is extraordinary at this time. That is the biggest sales week in the record industry since 2005, when uh, 50 Cent's The Massacre bowed at number one. She's bucking a lot of trends here. This is the only the 16th album in the SoundScan era, which began in the early 90s, to sell over a million copies. Most of those million-selling debuts were in the 90s. In the 2000s, the record sales went down because of Internet downloading. But Taylor Swift is selling to a very dedicated audience. Teenage girls, adolescents, and now their moms as well are buying these records. She's nearly doubled the sales in her first week of this record as compared to Fearless in 2008. What's the difference? I I think there's a couple of factors here. She's had numerous television appearances since then. She's toured extensively. She had that infamous moment when Kanye West bum-rushed her appearance at the MTV Music Awards, put her on the map for a whole new segment of listeners. So as a result, we have one of the best-selling albums of the last 20 years at a most improbable time. Greg, that is a most unique cover of the Motown classic Heard It Through the Grapevine as delivered by the punk-era English group The Slits. We were wrapped up with the Halloween spirit last week. We did not get a chance to mark the passing of one of the most important musicians of that whole punk explosion in London, Ariana Forster, otherwise known as Ari Up, one of the founders of one of the rare all-female bands in all of punk, 
in the 70s. The Slits died after a long battle with cancer. Her death was announced by her stepfather, John Lydon, of the Sex Pistols. They were contemporaries, the Slits and the Sex Pistols, although Ari Up was a mere 14 years old in 1976 when she put this band together with a couple of other really remarkable women, Viv Albertine and a drummer named Palmolive. Palmolive objected to the infamous cover art of the Slits' 1979 debut album, Cut. The three women are wearing nothing but mud and loincloths. She left and formed another very influential female band called the Raincoats. These two bands were huge in influencing the alternative rock movement, the indie rock movement of the late 70s and the 80s into the 90s. They were favorites of Kurt Cobain. They were proto-Riot Girl, female empowerment, attitude, broke a lot of ground, and not just for being women. The Slits in particular, I think, were one of the most effective examples of bringing in dub reggae, a worship Lee Scratch Perry, and punk. It was primitive, the sound, but it was also very sophisticated in the use of echoes and atmosphere. So raw punk banging, but this otherworldly vibe you got from their records. Slits continued through several fine albums after Cut. Ari Up continued with a solo career, though there were long stretches where she just concentrated on living with her family in interesting places. Indonesia, Belize, her beloved Jamaica, where reggae came from. Towards the end of her life, she put the Slits back together. They did some reunion shows. She was still moving forward when cancer claimed her at age 48. Here, in tribute to Ari Up, is a song called Typical Girls from the Slits' debut album, Cut. They were anything but typical girls. But here's the tune on Sound Opinions. Too quick. 
That's the slits with typical girls on sound opinions in tribute to Ari Up, dead at the age of 48. listening to Sound Opinions, and that is Boyfriend, the hit song by our guests this week, Best Coast. The California trio, named for that region that they love, is made up of lead singer Bethany Cosentino, guitarist Bob Bruno, and drummer Ali Kohler. Their record, which features this wonderful throwback summery 60s sound, came out this year and was a surprise hit, Greg entering the Billboard Top 40, really rare for indie rock. On the heels of that success, they launched a tour earlier this year, and they stopped by our Jim and K Maybe studio in Chicago. I started the conversation by asking Bethany how she got started in music. I've been playing music for a really long time, basically since I was a kid. Um, I was raised in a musical environment. My dad's a musician, but... I was living in New York for about nine months going to school and I just really did not like it and took a break from music while I was living there and moved back to California and just started this band very, very quickly and just asked Bob to do it with me and we've basically been doing it since. And then we met Allie along the way and kind of asked her to start touring with us. So it's all happened kind of within the last year. You're in in some change, but... um, yeah, just fun, pop, simple music that is enjoyable to kids and adults. <laughs> well, Bethany, your your dad, you, you sort of skimmed over that a little bit, but obviously a serious musician. I mean, this guy played with War, yeah. right? One of the great bands of the 70s. Yeah. So did he give you any advice about whether or not you wanted to do this for a living? Did he Was he that doting parent that said, you know honey, you really ought to get yourself a degree or something like that and do something. No, my yeah. parent, he was actually the opposite. Like when I said that I wanted to go to college, he was like, you should just play music. You don't need to go to college. And I was like, no, I want to go. And then of course I dropped out and he was like, yeah, I, I told you just do not to go there in the first place. <laughs> um, but my dad and my mom as well have always been very supportive of me as far as any kind of artistic endeavor that I do. They've always kind of been like, cool, you want to do that, we'll take you to the lesson or we'll take you to the audition or whatever. And, you know, my dad, I think, is more excited about Best Coast than any of us are. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I started following you on, on Twitter and you, you tweet and you blog. And it's been kind of great because I felt like I've been along with the band for the ride through this whole last year. The record came out in, in July, mm-hmm. right? You know, we've got to experience it along with you. A lot of it comes from kind of being on tour and you're in a van or you're, you know, sitting around waiting for a show to start. And I go on my phone a lot and Twitter applications kind of cause me to to use 
to use Twitter too much. But yeah, I mean, I think it's fun that we can kind of have our fans along with us in a way. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody can kind of see what's going on, mostly what's going on with me, but I try to include what's going on with these two as often as I can. As well as the cats. Yeah, as well as the cats. <laughs> <laughs> more, about the, more about the cats later. We got to hit on the cats later. But why don't we play a song and introduce some music? Okay. Uh, what tune you want to give us? What do you guys want to play first? Crazy. Crazy? Sure. All right, this is the title track from the record. All right, ready? I can't do anything without you. Crazy for you from Best Coast on Sound Opinions. Bethany Costantino, Bob Bruno, and Ellie Kohler. Great stuff, great sound, Bethany, but it took you a little while to get to that sound, that kind of sunny pop thing with somewhat introspective, maybe some might even say depressive lyrics occasionally, and that garage sound with the guitars and everything. Tell me how you got there. When, when did it sort of all come together and that that's the sound that I want for me? I mean, I've... I've, like I said, I've been playing music for forever, but I've always really done different styles of music. You know, when I first started writing music, it was very singer-songwritery, inspired by a lot of folky stuff that I was listening to when I was a teenager. And then I was in a band that was a completely different direction of both my solo project and of Best Coast called Pocahontas. And Bob was in that band with me as well. And that's really how I met Bob and started working with him. But I don't know, when I lived in New York, I listened to a lot of... 50s and 60s pop music and it's music that I grew up listening to as well and I was very homesick when I lived in New York and the kind of music like Beach Boys and Beatles and stuff that Phil Spector did because my parents listened to a lot of Phil Spector and like the Christmas record and stuff I would listen to that music in New York and it would make me very nostalgic for home and it put me back in this adolescent feeling of living in Los Angeles at home 
And so I really decided that I wanted to make music that was loosely inspired by that or loosely based off of that kind of concept. And I just wrote an email to Bob and was like, hey, I'm going to move back to L.A. I'm going to start this band. Um, this is sort of my idea. Would you like to do this with me? And you say that I didn't even give you an option. I just told you, you have to do this. Yeah, yeah, you're doing this, baby. I mean, I write the songs on my own, but when I started writing the songs, you know, I had a very specific idea in mind of what I wanted the finished product to sound like. And Bob really helped with that. And I explained to Bob, you know, this is the idea. It's punky, Beach Boys, girl music or whatever. And and Bob was like, okay, I can do that. And um, he kind of fills in the gaps of the stuff that I can't really produce, so... It sounded like homesickness really inspired some of this record, too. What was the initial idea of going out to New York and leaving California? I've lived in Los Angeles my entire life, and I got really sick of it, as I think a lot of people do with their hometown. And, you know, I think everybody kind of needs to experience something different for a little bit. And I moved to New York to go to school, and I had this very romanticized idea of what New York would be like. And I was going to school for writing, and I wanted to be a writer, and I thought that I would be like Carrie Bradshaw from Sex in the City or something. And it was very cheesy. And I got there and realized that New York is a very, very, very difficult place. You have to work really, really hard. And it's a great city. And I, I love visiting. But it was just really difficult for me to live there. And when winter came, I was just like, can't do this. Got to <laughs> gotta kick rocks and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But it was definitely just a very kind of low low point for me, but it really taught me to appreciate California and especially Los Angeles and just the things that I kind of took for granted on a daily basis. So the bulk of this record was written there, would you say? Or Oh yeah, everything yeah. Best Coast was written in California. I didn't write any of the music while living in New York. The idea sprouted in New York and it really didn't... I, I moved back to California and I was living at my mom's house before I got a place and I think it was like the second day after I had moved home, um, I started writing and a song called Sun Was High is the first song that I wrote. And that's the first song that I sent to Bob and was like, this is sort of the general idea. I just didn't really feel very creative or motivated in New York, at least music wise. I was I was there going to school for writing. So I was doing tons of writing. But it was funny because all of my projects and all of my assignments were about California. And <laughs> all of my professors were very like East Coast. And they were like, you clearly miss this place. Maybe you should go back. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, more with Bethany Cosentino and Best Coast. And later on in the show, Jim and I will review the new album by Roxy Music singer Brian Ferry.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. That's the song Goodbye from our guest this week, Best Coast. Their album, Crazy For You, harkens back to that mid-60s California sound, very sunny sound with the Beach Boys and the Mamas and the Papas. The lead singer Bethany Costantino's lyrics, they're not all about sunshine and waves. There's a dark, introspective tone in her writing, and I asked Bethany why she gravitates toward that. I remember my dad picking me up from school and having pet sounds on in the car or the oldies radio station that plays stuff like Moms and the Papas and the Beach Boys and the Ronettes and all of that stuff. But for whatever reason, although I'm not a, a sad or lonely or depressed person, it's easier for me to kind of write songs around those sort of feelings. And all of the songs that for this record, you know, they're not all 100% factual. It's not all based on my life. But the emotions, at least, when I was writing the songs, I was definitely, it, it was a very gray time in L.A. It was like I had just moved back. I didn't really know what I was doing. It was literally gray for like almost two weeks, and I just started writing all of these songs very quickly. And the kind of poppier aspect from it comes from being inspired or, or fueled by beautiful weather. But, you know, sometimes I do kind of get into that darker place and experiment more with the darker sounds or talking more about longing or, or whatever. So, yeah. I think it's the the contrast in the music that make it so effective. You know, we might have a dark lyric and and this wonderful sunny melody. We have this really accomplished musicianship. You know, you guys can all play. And I think, Bethany, uh, rare in the indie rock world, like you can really sing (laughs) in a way that Patsy Cline could sing or or Nico Case. And yet we have this kind of lo-fi, grungy, indie rock aesthetic. It's those contrasts that make it so effective. So, Bob, I want to know from you, when these songs come from mm-hmm. Bethany, what do you do? What, what, what's your input? Because obviously she values it, but we don't know the man behind the curtain, what he's adding. <laughs> um, Bethany will send me a song, and she'll do her vocal, her guitar, and sometimes like a melodic guitar idea. And then she'll tell me, just kind of refine this or kind of play pretty similar to this. And then sometimes she'll just leave space for me to do my own thing and so usually I'll do the drum part first like figure out what I'm going to play on the drums and then uh, after that just uh, either bass or guitar and then we don't really talk about it until we get into the studio or we don't even talk about it we just do it and (laughs) there's never been conflicts or anything it just all kind of works out I, I think that's why we're able to work so fast is like I know what she likes and she knows what kind of choices I'm going to make like that applies to her songs. But Pocahontas was such a different sound from what you're doing together now. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, Pocahontas was really something, though, that, like, neither one of us really, like, listened to the style of music that we were playing. It was just, 
I don't know, it just kind of happened that way. Yeah, I mean, Pocahontas is like, I, I enjoy that kind of music and I still listen to, to that type of music, but it was a lot of people having input in that and me just kind of trying to help the other people in that band sort of realize their ideas. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would offer suggestions and do things, but in the end, it was always up to the other people, like what would make the cut in the song or whatever. That's really how I knew that I wanted Bob to be in Best Coast is because we would record music for Pocahontas, but then I would sit in the room alone with Bob and he would be like, okay, do some kind of like Kate Bush style vocal or like Mariah Carey style <laughs> vocal. And we would just talk about like pop music. Mm-hmm. So when I wanted to start a very pop band, I was like, okay, he doesn't look like he's into pop, but he's really into pop. And, you know, he owns like every Beach Boys <laughs> related item in the world. <laughs> so I knew he was the right person to go to. <laughs> but again, getting back to that indie rock thing, I love the the kind of shortcuts y- you guys are taking. Rather than three backing vocalists, Bethany, you have this wonderful little stomp box that gives you the reverb or chorus effect kind of beefs up the the harmony vocal courses bob you're playing guitar but you're doing the bass lines and and adding some second guitar in between yeah we're kind of a tight-knit group so it's hard for us to let other people in so we just (laughs) try and figure out how much we can do by ourselves like and try and maximize our sound but still keeping it as a trio impressive stuff can we hear another uh, another song yeah sure what are you going to give us? Um, you want to do a uh, summer mood? Sure. Okay. Talking all day Ooh, I want 
Summer Mood by Best Coast on Sound Opinions. Bethany, I talked about your, your blogging and your tweeting earlier. Your first incarnation, Bethany Shrey, was uh, you know a lot about the end of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Poco Haunted was was deeper and darker and moody from the get go. You know, a lot of these sunny melodies are married to to fairly personal uh, songs of romantic woe. You ever worry you're going to share too much? I mean, I think I already have. I think it's too late to worry. <laughs> we passed <about> that point. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I just write what comes out of me, and it just so happens that sometimes it's extremely personal and. Sometimes it's not real, but people think it's real. But honestly, I'm not I'm not very concerned about what people think about the lyrics or people that try to make like some kind of crazy meaning out of the lyrics. I say it all the time. It's not I don't sit down and with a pen and paper and really think out like, okay, what am I gonna talk about in this song? I really focus more on melody and like, okay, what are my vocals gonna sound like? What kind of different things am I gonna do melodically with vocals? And then I really just play and sing and those are the lyrics and then Occasionally, I'll go back and revise and be like, okay, I, I don't want that to be in there. I'll take that out or I want to change this word or whatever. But again, it's really inspired by a lot of girl groups and stuff. And when you listen to, to their kind of lyrics, it's all about love and heartache. And there's some really deep personal stuff in some of those old songs. And you don't know that it's necessarily all true. And so for me, it's kind of just like people can take it for what it is. You know, There's also can, that, that weird thing where the girl groups, uh, the great girl groups of the 60s, the pre-Beatles era, you know, even while they're singing about, you know, being head over heels for the boy, there's a, a sense of power that comes mm-hmm. through that also says that boy better watch out yeah. if, if he does you wrong. Yeah. You know, you, you're pining a lot for, for the men in your life, but I never get the sense that you're a pushover. No, I'm not a pushover <laughs> at all. Bob, Bob smiles. <laughs> Bob smiles and looks at the Am floor. Am I a pushover? No. Not even close. No. no. You can't even be pushed, I think. You would just like, <laughs> you would be No, it's immobile. funny because I did an interview with an Austrian radio station and the, the guy interviewing me asked me, what does it feel like to be the anti-feminist? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't think I'm an anti-feminist at all. I'm just, you know, there's obviously like, a lot of people could listen to Best Coast lyrics and think, oh, this girl is so lovesick and just really. But I think people just take it, you know, it's cl- it's classic and it's simple. And it's really just the style that I wanted to go to, especially for this record and for the early for the early stuff that we recorded. And, you know, we've only been a band for a little bit over a year. So as a songwriter for this band, I've grown a little bit since then. And I'm working on new stuff now. And it's not all about how much I want to be with so-and-so and how they don't want to be with me and all that stuff. But... Yeah, definitely not the anti-feminist, not a pushover. Um, <laughs> I'd say in a song, I, I want to kill you, but then I'd miss you. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that lack of filtering, though, I think is a really strong part of the music, that sort of emotional response. And I get the sense from you know just looking at your blog or Twitter entries that music has this incredible hold over you. And, and it's interesting because, you, as you said, you've been in this a long time. I mean, you're kind of like a teen... I guess you were being groomed at one point to do this sort of teen pop thing, mm-hmm. I, I gather. And, you know, obviously the, a dad being in the business and stuff like you are around showbiz. Yeah. One thing I sense with the people who have been around the business that long, sort of like right in the middle of it, they get burned out on it after a while. They stop creating. And it was just interesting. Just a few days ago, you had this blog entry and you had the word God. And you had a picture of Stevie Nicks <laughs> right God, next to it. And, but it was just like, I love that sort of just very yeah. emotional response. Yeah, to, I'm just very straightforward. And I'm, I'm, I say whatever I, I want to say. I say what I mean. 
The thing for me that I think saved me from getting burnt out is definitely taking a break and going to New York and kind of trying to explore this other side of myself. And I think music is always something I've been really passionate about. I think I just kind of needed to take a step back from it and really, truly figure that out. And, you know, I didn't expect any of the stuff that's happened with West Coast to happen. And I think that it's a true testament that really shows that this is something I love doing because I hate leaving home. I love watching TV. And those are two things that I have to, you know, I can't watch TV and I'm always away from home. And I hate that, but I love this so much that I live with it and I do it. <laughs> That's cool. And, and I want to follow up about Stevie Nicks' God, because yeah. I think you've talked about some of Fleetwood Mac's 70s work mm -hmm. as being inspirational and not maybe the album that people think of. Yeah, I mean, I love all Fleetwood Mac. I even love it before, you know, Stevie was in the band when it was just kind of like a jammy, jammy jam band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Mirage and I love um, Tango in the Night and Rumors is obviously an amazing record as is Tusk. But I, again, my mom was a huge Stevie Nicks Fleetwood Mac fan. So I was introduced to Stevie Nicks, I think when I was like, probably like five or six, my mom like tried to dress like her and she had like, <laughs> she had like a t-shirt that she got at one of their concerts and you have that peng the Penguin shirt, right? No, I have a different, oh, just okay. a logo shirt. My, I remember my mom had the penguin, the penguin in the top hat shirt. Mm -hmm. Christine McVie as well. I love her. All of them. They're all amazing. Well, what's interesting too about them, you know, Christine McVie and Stevie Nicks as, as women in rock bands is that they were not the traditional rock chicks, you know, kind of being the sex. I mean, obviously they were perceived that way by some people, but they were writing serious songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't about, it was the songwriting that was first and foremost the, the, yeah. the key to those uh, women in, the, in that band as opposed yeah. to some kind of window dressing on top of this band. Uh-huh. So is that the response? Is that why Stevie Nicks equals God in your <laughs> blog? She equals God for a lot of reasons to mm. me. Just watching her, like, she she truly just, like, owns her, owns it. She just, she just really is such an individual and, like, is so amazing. And uh, she was a huge sex symbol. Like, she's hot. She still mm. is hot. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't all about it being two hot girls in a band. You know, it was more about just this amazing band that was making yeah. amazing music. And it just so happened that they had two, you know, attractive women that Stevie also is like my number one fashion icon. She dresses <laughs> so incredible. Yeah. Um, I wear lots of rings because I think that's something Stevie would do. I thought it was just a matter <laughs> of like putting on as many clothes as you can and then twirling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can we get another song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boyfriend? Sure. Okay.
That's boyfriend from Best Coast on Sound Opinions, Bethany Cosentino, Bob Bruno, and Ali Kohler. Well, Best Coast, it's been an absolute treat having you into Sound Opinions. Thank you so much. Thank you so Thank much. You. comment on our conversation with the members of Best Coast or anything under the rock and roll sun, call 888-859-1800 and we'll put you on the air. Next up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, Jim and I are going to review new records by singer Brian Ferry and rapper Kid Cudi. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. That is a song from the new Brian Ferry album, Olympia. It's called Song to the Siren by Tim Buckley, one of only two covers on this album, relatively rare for Ferry in recent years. When he's put out an album, inevitably it is filled with cover songs. He takes his time when he puts out an album of original songs, and this is his first album of mostly original material in nearly a decade. His 13th studio album overall as a solo artist, but Ferry perhaps best known as the co-founding member of one of the great art rock glam pop bands of the 70s, Roxy Music. It is no overstatement to say that they changed the face of rock and roll in the early 70s with their innovations on those early Roxy Music albums. Meanwhile, Ferry developed his solo career as well. He, the ultimate lounge crooner, if you will, trolling for love in all the wrong places. We're going to review Olympia in a second, but let's play a track from it first. It's called Heartache by Numbers from Brian Ferry on Sound Opinions. I can't stop from thinking that love makes no sense. I'm burned out from 
Heartache by Numbers by Brian Ferry from his new solo album, his first with new songs since 2002's Frantic. Greg, part of the story you left out was that after those successful Roxy Music reunion tours of a few years back, Ferry apparently wanted to take the band back into the studio and do a new Roxy Music album, which would have been the first since Avalon. The sound here is very much like Avalon, and for all intents and purposes, he did put the band back together. You got guitarist Phil Manzanera, you even have keyboardist Brian Eno, I'm excused from dropping that name this time, (laughs) along with some other legends of British rock, David Gilmour of Pink Floyd. Ferry's always been able to put out a few calls and get the creme de la creme of the British rock scene to come and play on his records. Why? Because he is such a wonderful stylist. Just to be in his presence is fun. He's not breaking any new ground here. At age 65, we can compare him to Neil Young, who, we just reviewed his latest album, is consistently reinventing himself, experimenting, failing, succeeding, always doing something different. Not Brian Ferry. In his solo career... And in the second half, I'd say, of Roxy Music, he's delivered one thing. Laid-back disco, futuristic, suave, cabaret, crooning. It's a wonderful sound. But, you know, if you haven't liked Brian Ferry before, having Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead guest on this record, it's not going to make you run out and buy it. (laughs) If you do love Ferry, well, you already own all these records, and you're going to buy this one. Ferry is pretty consistent in his tone and texture, Jim. As he said, ever since Avalon, really, he's been making variations on that sound. I think, actually, this is one of the better Ferry solo albums, especially when it comes to original material. I think sometimes he tends to overdress these albums. They're so elegant, they sometimes lose the melodies. But I think the melodies are pretty sharp here. And again, 
there's no one who does better what he does. You know, it basically sounds like a party for one in a Weimar cabaret. Yeah. You know, he's a lonely guy, and at the same time, he's had some misadventures, and he's looking back at them with some rueful regrets. There's this like, luxurious sound, but underneath it all, there's that really vaguely disturbing undertow in all of these songs. And Ferry, as he's aged, seems to have never really lost that. I mean, he was making this sort of adult-sounding music back in the 70s, and now that he's well into his 60s, it suits him very well. You know, he doesn't look foolish or embarrassing when he does this sort of thing. And as I said, the melodies are back and forth. I'd say this is the best thing he's done as a solo artist of original material since that last Roxy Music album, Avalon, in 1983. Mm. See, I always love his covers. I think I kind of prefer them, especially, Greg, when you consider it was only a couple of years ago he lost every cent he'd ever made. Yeah. He was in deep bankruptcy. And then this album was prompted in part by a near-death airplane incident with these dramatic things but he still comes out and he doesn't have anything to sing about (laughs) except like slinking through the lounge at 4 a.m. again he's still pretty darn suave I'm gonna give it a bite all the way I'm not saying I'm not gonna give it a bite I agree with you it's just not a surprise she said I don't spend time like I really should she said she don't know me anymore She hates me deep down I know she does She wants to erase me is Erase Me by Kid Cudi, the Brooklyn-based rapper from his new album, his second, Man on the Moon, Volume 2, The Legend of Mr. Rager. Greg, this guy has come on strong in a very short time. Born Scott Ramon Saguro Mascuti in suburban Cleveland, relocated to Brooklyn, signed to the label of DJ A-Track, who is uh, Kanye West's collaborator, former Chicagoan. All of a sudden, Everybody wants a piece of this guy. He's on Kanye's 2008 album, 808s and Heartbreak, helping to write Heartless. He's on television. You might have seen him in that new uh, Mark Wahlberg-produced HBO comedy, How to Make It in America. He's guesting on Jay-Z's The Blueprint 3. He's all over the place, for good reason. He's an innovator. We reviewed, when it came out, his first album, Man on the Moon, The End of the Day. Since then, he's been talking a lot about growing tired of the limitations of hip-hop embracing rock and roll, saying he's been trying to learn how to play the electric guitar. He wants to toss things up. Now comes his second concept album. As I said, Man on the Moon, Volume 2, The Legend of Mr. Rager. Let's play a song from it, and we'll come back and grade it on our Buy It, Burn It, Trash It scale. This is one of the first singles. It's called Rev O'Fev on Sound Opinions. Let go, life does get tough No need to stress, hold you back too much Let's go, I heard they found a solution Where will you be for the revolution? Get rough, no need to stress 
keeps you down too much Wake up, I heard they found a solution Where will you be for the revolution? Fev from Kid Cudi's new album, Man on the Moon 2, The Legend of Mr. Rager. Jim, absolutely right. This guy has uh, made a huge impact in a short amount of time. He's one of Kanye West's protégés. Kanye started this mini-movement in hip-hop with 808s and Heartbreak a couple of years ago. We're seeing elements of that in Drake's music, some of Lupe Fiasco's, and big time in Kid Cudi's two albums. Here we have a genre that is based on larger-than-life personality and swagger, Kid Cudi is hip-hop's great existentialist. He's about <laughs> dropping out, the lonely night of the soul. The first album was very much about dropping out. It was done from the dark side of the moon. He was getting high and, and, and floating off into space and musing about his life and where he belonged in the world. On this record, he engages with that world. Now he's become somewhat famous. That last record went gold. He's toured around the country. He is a famous name. He's getting into this lifestyle that he thinks a hip-hop artist should be leading, and it's getting him into all sorts of trouble. Drug abuse, trouble with women. By the end of the album, he's dropping out again, this inward-looking album. He finally sees himself for what he is, and he says, I don't belong here. I don't belong in this world. I'm not sure where I belong. So it's an interesting narrative that's threading through this record. And at the same time, as you said, Jim, he's bringing in these outside influences. You know, there's a cool St. Vincent sample in here, yeah. you know, the indie rock artist. He's got cameos by CeeLo Green and Mary J. Blige to sing some hooks, but a lot more guitar-oriented in a lot of ways. Rock critics are going to love this album, no doubt about it. There's also a strong hip-hop element in the wordplay. I think Kid Cudi's made two great albums in a row. This is a buy it all the way for me. I couldn't agree more, Greg. Definitely a buy it album. When he's singing about grappling with cocaine addiction, there's nothing glorifying about it. He is not boasting. He's not bragging. He's not saying this is the way you should behave in hip-hop. He's saying, I hate myself for having mm -hmm. fallen prey to this. He questions everything that way, including his own appeal to the world, which is heavy-duty stuff in an art form where for the last 20-some years we've had nothing but I am the greatest, yeah. look at me, worship me. Coming on the heels of Drake and Kanye having started it, as you said, with 808s and Heartbreak, this is like hip-hop moving into its James Taylor period. <laughs> and I mean that in all the best ways. Not the weakness of James Taylor, but the honesty, the attempt to bear one's soul. So a double buy it to be certain. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're the Rock Doctors. We're going to help out a music patient in need. As always, Greg, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Best Coast was recorded by Mary Gaffney and Brandon Jackson. And if we describe our team as Best Coasts, I would have to say intern Julia Mullen-Gordon is the West Coast. 
Jason Saldana, one of our producers, he's definitely East Coast. Robin Lynn, the other producer, she's kind of the Gulf Coast. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia, he's been coasting for a long time, period. Yes. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is John from Chicago. Just heard your Scary Sounds for Halloween show for 2010. I was also inspired by your show uh, last week and your choice of a crossover artist, jazz, rock artist, Herbie Hancock, in your analog synthesizer show. And I'd like to recommend a crossover for next year's Halloween mixtape. This from crossover artist Bill Frizzell, his 1991 album, Where in the World, the track Spell. different from some of the things you've been playing and that is just four instrumental musicians, no vocals, but four musicians who can really play uh, on electric guitar, bass, drums, and cello. Listeners who think jazz, yuck, they're going to really like the way Bill Fazell shreds with his electric guitar. So once again, great show this year, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey guys, this is Julia calling from Philadelphia. I listened to your Halloween special. It was great. And I had suggestions for you for creepy songs. One of them is a song by Shriekback, a band from the 80s called Nemesis. I never really knew what this song was about, but it always kind of reminded me of a kind of musical Island of Dr. Moreau. Pretty creepy. And the other one is called Chant of the Ever-Circling Skeletal Family, which, of course, is a David Bowie song off of Diamond Dogs, which is just sort of a creepy, hypnotic chant of people totally under the spell of a totalitarian government. And the last kind of few syllables of the song sort of segue into Bowie just yelling, Run, run, run! Pretty scary. Anyway, thanks, guys. I love your show. Hey, guys. Ted in Arlington, Texas, calling to uh, comment on the Halloween show. I thought it was great. It's always one of my favorite shows each year. I just wanted to give you three songs that I think are great. And it's funny because they're not really particularly scary songs. But when I was a child growing up in the, the 90s, I used to sleep with the classic rock station on the radio. And there are three specific songs that to this day, when I hear the beginning of them, my reflex is an automatic reflex to turn the volume down and wait until the terrifying part is over. One, obviously, Time by Pink Floyd. That alarm clock beginning in the middle of the night, you don't want to hear that. Um... Fire on High by Electric Light Orchestra. 
with that creepy backwards voice and the hallelujah chorus and everything. Terrifying when you're in third grade at four in the morning. But I think the one that usually used to scare me the most was the Soft Parade by The Doors. First time I heard it, I just bolted upright in bed, and I hear this voice screaming, You cannot petition the Lord with prayer! You cannot petition the Lord with prayer! I don't know what to think. I don't know who that is. I've never heard the song, but, uh, yeah. Still to this day, pretty creepy stuff. Later! Can you give me sanctuary? I must find no more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.